Welcome to FinTech Brews and News, brought to you by Central Payments and Falls FinTech. I'm Nikki Rohde. And I'm Trent Sorby. Founders, co-founders, payments professionals, and, well, just people who love brews. This is a place to get a behind-the-scenes look at unique partnerships and ways to bridge the financial gap between banking, startups, and the entire fintech industry. Whether it's a beer, or coffee, or something else, there's certain to be a brew in every episode. After all, how do we function in this space without it? Each episode, you're sure to take away some good stuff going on in the financial technology space. So without further ado, let's grab a brew. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of FinTech Brews. I'm Trent Sorby, uh, CEO at Central Payments. Uh, we've got a, a really special episode today. Uh, first off, uh, you'll see uh, my background uh, is not the office at Central Payments. Uh, I am really happy to be at Sioux River Hunt Club uh, in beautiful Bruce, rural Bruce, South Dakota. Uh, those of you that have followed us on FinTech Brews know that we talk a lot about uh, South Dakota. And uh, one of the things we're famous for, of course, is our famous pheasant hunting. And uh, we are enjoying uh, a great place uh, to hunt pheasants. So anybody who happens to be listening might be a hunter. Um, look up the Sioux River Hunt Club. Tell Scott that the folks at Central Payments sent you, and uh, and he'll take care of you. So it's a fantastic venue. Um, also, it's allowed us to bring in some friends uh, across the industry to enjoy uh, the beautiful South Dakota outdoors. And we thought since we're bringing folks to town, uh, it'd be a great time to, to record an episode of FinTech Brews. Uh, today, uh, kind of continuing uh, our conversations with folks in the areas uh, or in the space around uh, RegTech, which is kind of a weird word, um, and I've always been a little skeptical of the word. But uh, we, uh, we're very fortunate today to have what I think is you know, a company that's doing uh, some really interesting things around bringing technology to areas where technology just wasn't there before. And in this case, uh, we're going to talk a lot about uh, fraud management, um, dispute processing, uh, and the like, which uh, have, are sort of sometimes feel like a black hole uh, when it comes to cost uh, and expense and trying to staff it appropriately to manage it. Um, and so uh, happy today to be joined by uh, Dave Campbell and Grant Rogers. Uh, from APS in beautiful Fargo, North Dakota, just up the road uh, from us today. So welcome, guys. So uh, Grant and Dave, first off, tell us a little about APS and the APS story, because we spend a lot of time talking about fintech and companies that have only been around a couple of years. Uh, in the case of your family business, it's been around a lot of years. Tell us about the history of APS in your family's business and you know the way in which it's sort of transitioned. You bet. I'll do, uh, thanks for having us, Trent. It was a great, uh, great lodge, great hunt. Um, but talking about Advantage Credit Bureau, that's our mothership, as we call it. So APS was formed about 14 years ago. The Credit Bureau, Advantage Credit Bureau, has been around for 30 years. So we're celebrating our 30th year back in September. Family business. Yeah, family business. My mom started the business when Roger, my brother, and myself were just finishing up college. Um, we started there day one. And we're still here, so it's uh, it, it's been it's been a fun ride. Um, uh, Fourteen years ago, we had a customer through the credit bureau down in South Dakota, issuing bank, and we got in with those folks and we helped them solve a, a major problem that they were having at the time. KYC, know your customer. So we fulfilled a CIP need, and from there things just kept evolving. And 
we still do a lot of CIP today, but that's just a little portion of what our company has has grown into. So let's let's talk about that a second, and maybe we'll pop over to Grant. Grant, of course, a Wisconsin native, so we are enjoying um, some fantastic spotted cow today. So those of you who ever go through Wisconsin, uh, be sure. Cheers, by the way. Be sure to enjoy a little spotted cow. Um, Grant, let's let's talk a little. Well, first, let's take us a little bit through your background. Uh, you and I, of course, uh, uh, were peers uh, at one time in our in our careers. Tell us a little about your background and kind of what brought you to APS and and what you're doing for the company. Sure, I uh, I started in payments with First Data a long time ago. Uh, after about 10, 15 years there, I went to uh, MetaBank, where uh, you and I met, and learned a lot about banking from the bank side as opposed to from the processor side and the processing side. Uh, and from there, I moved over to uh, working with Dave and family at APS and uh, really trying to help the business uh, form a, a strong strategy around how the different products work together. Uh, each of our products is very strong on its own, but what's really interesting is the way the application is developed. The more products you use, the more they benefit each other. I'll give you an example. If you use us for uh, uh, KYC and you're using us for uh, disputes, when the dispute is being processed, that case processor can go look and see what was the scoring on the CIP? Was, was there any indicators of potential fraud back then even, right? So the more you use, the more benefit you attain. If we take the, if we take the tool today um, or tools and we sort of compartmentalize them, and to your point, you know, think about before we put them all together, take me through sort of your product offering that, that you would pitch or that you've pitched us. We're very happy to be APS client. Um, Take us through the tools that are available and, and that that you were just referring to. Yeah, so we so we are a reg tech company. We're we're a cloud based. Uh, we're actually cloud native. So everything has been developed is developed using using the, as much of the cloud native uh, software and modules as possible. And that obviously has a ton of benefits: security, scalability, all those kinds of things uh, inherent with that. But we have solutions that start with account onboarding, so CIP. Uh, working through usage and monitoring of transactions uh, to the back end to uh, managing disputes. We actually have a, a, doc, a digital document management product called uh, Document Management Advantage, and one of our large customers uses that across their entire uh, company. So they have queues for HR, they have queues for legal, they have queues for everybody, right? So what what we're trying to do is to make sure that things that can be automated, things that are highly repetitive and really don't need a human to be bothered by them, that we can get those done within the, the environment and free up those humans then to, to look for higher purpose things to focus on. One of the things I love about the tool and why I got very excited uh, when we first started talking about this was I've always looked at a, a customer dispute, for example, as something that five years ago, if, if you would have said you're going you're gonna automate, to automate the dispute process, I would have said there's no chance. You can't. It's not possible. Um, it, it is it is always something that makes me nervous because it's it's inherently subjective. I don't know the mood of the customer service rep when they pick up the phone and a customer's calling them saying, you know, their their card's been swiped and they there's some transactions that have been uh, that they don't recognize. I can't control the mood of the rep at that time to and prevent them from saying, "Sorry, you should you should have hung on to it better." Click. I mean, you 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 can't be in all places in this business, so. It got very excited me with the idea that we bring some uniformity um, to these processes and take away a little bit of the subjectivity. Our mission statement is to empower safe, secure, and frictionless payments for everyone. And, and that's what, when we look at what we're developing on the application, we ask ourselves, 
is this making the transaction more safe, more secure? And is it if, if it's adding friction to the process, then we want to take that out as well, right? We don't want to make payments more difficult. We want it easier, safer, more secure. And I think, you know, that from a, from a client perspective, when that happens, especially when, uh, you know, many times we're dealing with consumers that if their card is taken and somebody does a $100 transaction, that $100 is not spare change for them. That is that is a meaningful dollar amount for them. You know, it, we were just talking about mission statements. You know, ours at Central Payments was treat each customer's balance as though it's all they have. When they see 100 bucks gone in their account, that is a high anxiety moment because that 100 bucks was intended for something. When, when there is a process and there is some uniformity and, you know, there's a confidence in the consumer that reflects positively on our brand, right? I just had I just had two cards swiped from me in Minneapolis a month and a half ago. Charges done on both of them. I went through the process with two separate banks. One of them was fantastic about the experience. One of them not so much. Where where who's going to get my business going forward, right? And so, uh, look, I think the the idea around KYC, fraud management, dispute processing. Those are all things that we don't typically talk about a lot. We don't like to talk about them because we just think of them as, as a cost black hole or a regulatory burden or some other excuse. But, you know, I think everything we've we've experienced with APS has been, sure, that that is work that, you know, is expensive to do. But if you do it well, um, it, it's it's a brand experience. It's going to reflect more positively on your brand. So, look, it's been, it's been great. Um, Dave, I want to ask you, because you're going to come at this from a perspective, like you were there in the beginning uh, in the credit bureau days. So you've watched this industry change probably because you were in it before through the, through the credit bureau. What kind of, what kind of sparked in your, in your mind to say, Hey, I'm seeing this FinTech thing. I think we got to build this. We got to be, we got to have a bigger product offering. The, The bureau bureaus will already be there, but what, Sort of take me through kind of the way in which the company transitioned when you when you first thought of APS. Well, again, the, um, having that customer through the credit bureau, um, seeing that need in the industry in the prepaid is what they called it back then, right? Now it's fintech. Um, saw a huge gap when a when you know when an issuer has their rules and regulations to follow, and their their programs weren't following that accordingly. There's a gap. Um, and we came in and solved that and, or at least saw or helped solve for that, right. With some solutions. And then from there, really, it was just a, a wide open where there is a lot of industry need for a lot of things. You know, the fraud side popped up disputes has been probably the hot item the last two or three years. And it is expensive to work disputes, fraud. It's, it's FTEs. It's so what we've been doing is building onto that to have it more efficient. So, we're not saying that just because we have machine learning and artificial intelligence and all that fun stuff our tech guys can talk to and our data scientists, we're not saying we can automate everything, but we can automate a lot of it. So when that case processor looks at something, they might take two minutes versus taking 15 minutes to go find all this stuff because it is the trends and is those different anomalies that we can detect and display so you can get through a lot more cases more efficiently. Yeah. You know, building on that, Dave, one of the things that's important, it's a highly regulated space, as you know, Trent, um, and it's also a very cr- crucial moment in that customer's life, as you know, as you've recently experienced. But executing the dispute and, the, and 
processing through to the right conclusion is not, that's not the end of the story for that bank. They're going to go through an exam. They're going to have to demonstrate that they did these, the things correctly. Our platform also spends a lot of time thinking about, let's make sure these processes can get done as efficiently and effectively as possible and do so in a way that later on when the regulator asks and says, show me, I need to see all the documentation. I need to see who picked up the call, whether, what time it was, show me that you met, met the 10-day line, show me that you met the 45 or whatever, show me. We, we anticipate that question coming in, and that's all built into the application as well. So is it expensive to execute that dispute? Yeah, but we, we've streamlined that a little bit, and we've streamlined the audit uh, support a lot. Um, one of our customers took four people offline for a month to, to get the paperwork and stuff together. On us, it took less than a half day. And I think people are expensive. It's just the reality of it. And if you can let tools like your tools do a lot of the work, it allows the the more expensive resources um, to hone in on areas that really need human human right. involvement. And so now I'm not, I don't want to say wasting resources, but my resources are being deployed into areas where they need to be versus random checks that I have no idea what they're going to, they, yep. they're unlikely to find anything. That's true. I mean, it, the employees are expensive, right? But it's, there's some other things that we've found out through the years that uh, security, right? We all know that, but instead of having fax machines and tons of paper and files, none of that with our system, that just all goes away. So from the regular, you know, the risk guys at that company, they're coming and saying, not only do we want to use this, we should really have to use this because we don't want sticky notes with socials and paper being printed out and faxes and and it's that's been yeah that's been one change. That's yeah, big one. You know, you spoke about consistency earlier of having who knows what the mood of the, the rep is and so on and so forth. The regulators like that as well, right? I mean, you, you know this from experience. If the rules being applied the same way for everybody, that's a good thing, right? And that's what the machine does, right? If if once once we are able to understand what the pattern is and that the machine can learn the pattern. And as you know, machine learning, it just gets smarter with more iterations. Um, and we can demonstrate that, hey, the machine made the decision the human would have made. It just made it faster, which is, by the way, better for the consumer. One of the things I noticed um, as we were going through the integration process with you is that your, your technology folks, A, are exceptional. Um, I'm not telling you something you don't know, but... I got very excited when I saw how easily you were able to to take in the data necessary to do the work you need to do, regardless of the source of the data. It doesn't really matter where it comes from. The, the tool is so versatile. And, and in our space, um, and, and it, was, it was more so even you know years ago when you and I worked together, disputes were being processed by 10 different companies in you know 10 different programs. And the issuing bank is you know doing their best. But we all know when it's that decentralized, um, you are asking for a problem. Um, now it gives all of us an opportunity to do a great deal more centralization, um, which Im not only improves compliance, better, you know, it's a better use of resources. It is more affordable. Um, and it's just the added benefit that, that the tool can say, it doesn't matter where the data comes from. We can, we can take it in, normalize it, and use it um, from across the industry. Talk a little bit about, uh, I'm curious, do you have a, like a case study? Like, do you have an example of somebody that you can just say, um, and you can use central payments or whomever you'd like, but uh, how's, give us somebody that's really using the tool to, to its full capacity and, and how they're using it. COVID hit hard, right? It hit fast, hit hard. People had to go home. Uh, but 
people, your point, people's money still has to work for them. They still have to have access to it. They still have to, you know, all the tools still have to be in place. But, but yeah, you- one of our customers, um, you know, the deadlines are the deadlines. 10 days is 10 days, 45 is 45. COVID comes, messes all that up. They still just get backlogged. So they've got a call center and wherever across country um, gets shut down. Those folks go home, but the time still, the clock still runs. So we had a, a case where a customer came to us and said, we just don't have the manpower. We've got tens of thousands of disputes that are going to be hitting our timeline. Mm-hmm. I think it was a Thursday. We got our dev shop going. We worked through the weekend. On Monday, we deployed an automation that sent out. I think the first day we, we closed 10,000. We decisioned the case. <clears throat> we uh, sent the final, final letter on the case, closed the case, dropped it to a report so a human could double check. We're about twenty some days in a row. Yeah, where they weren't, they would have fallen out of because of the backlog that they were yep. experiencing. Absolutely, that, that's a great example, and it's probably just another example of the the tool's ability to be agnostic as to the source of the data. And I mean, it was no easy task, I'm sure, to to get there. But um, I just know from experience um, the way in which your folks are able to uh, look at data and and transition it in a way that that the tool can use so quickly and, and with a lot of versatility. So, so uh, uh, one thing I was going to say, you, the, you know, APS, it's a really strong tool, but uh, it's a really strong company. You mentioned our, our tech team. We, we could sit here all day and brag on the tech team and offer example after example of how strong they are. They're, they truly are. And I'm one of the best I've ever worked with. Our, our CIO, Brian Ludeman is really on it. He does a great job of, of recruiting and retaining the, the, the top talent we need. So when we see an issue or when, we, when we're approaching something, we're pretty confident that if it can be done, we can do it. Right? We're, we're the, that level of confidence with our tech team. But APS is more than just technology. It is the team. It is the from starting with the ownership on down. We have a tolerance for risk. We're willing to take risks. If we can help, we're going to help. If we if we want to we want to be for profit, but we're not always for profit, right? Sometimes just getting the right thing done is is more important than the profit. I was joking with my uh, legal team at Central Payments when we were going through the integration and we were exchanging the contracts, and they said, "Trent, do you do you want how closely you want to look at this?" I said, "You know, I, normally I would look at it very closely, but the fact I can just call either one of you, um, uh, I said, uh, go through your exercise that you have to go through, but I'm not really too concerned about it. I, uh, the, I'm not going to go to the contract if I have a question. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call the two of you. And I think that's the service, that's the reputation of APS. I mean, and it has been probably for 30 years when, when your mom started the thing. Yep, it has. It's, it's been that value. And that's a funny thing. Thanks for saying that, because when you said, let's just sign it, let's get moving. We got to get this done. Um, we kind of laugh because we're like, that's, we're like friends. Yeah. Like that's somebody that said, Hey, if something's in there and we didn't catch it and it's going to be bad for central payments. We're like, well, we'll just take it out. Right. It's that easy. I mean, it's, and it, you asked a question earlier, what's changed in 30 years? You're not going to believe this, but 30 years ago, 25 years ago, we would sign up a bank, a credit union, a car dealer, insurance, you name it to purchase credit information on consumers. The handshake, and then it got to be, hey, you have to have some legal stuff. So we had a front and a back page. This would be, I mean, we're you know we're giving access to everybody's information back then, right? And it was literally, I'll turn you on tomorrow. Well, you know now how many pages is a contract today? No, I don't know. Yeah, but, it, yeah. It, you know, eighty. Yeah. Well, and and I think that's you know I think that touches on a, an interesting topic where I was going to go. I mean, 
whether it's changes in contracts or changes in disclosures or changes in requirements, we are we are in a shifting regulatory landscape. You know, we talk about it on on fintech brews all the time. The way in which scrutiny and Grant, you touched on this. So the way in which the scrutiny on our business um, is increasing. Nobody would debate that. It is different than it was two years ago. Uh, companies that can, companies like APS that can speak to and prove the value of compliance and, you know, are able to provide the data that we can then use to show to our regulatory friends um, to say, look, we take it very seriously. We have it very centralized. Um, it is not the, the old days when I didn't know where disputes were even being processed. Um, it, it is done in one place, one tool, one set of rules, and everybody gets treated the same. What are what are some of the other things from a regulatory standpoint? How have you had to kind of deal with the adjustments in the business, or what? You know, talk to me about how the regulatory landscape has has impact APS. Well, it's, it, for us, it's opportunity. I mean, the reality is that the the complexity of the regulatory the current environment is high and getting higher to, to the point you've made banks and and companies need some someone out there to support them to, to help them ensure that they're staying compliant and by the way take disputes for instance yes it's very highly regulated but done well um, people get that should get their money back get their money back done poorly uh, a lot of fraud happens, right? So you have to be tight enough to, to make sure that you're not opening up to fraud. But if you get too tight, now the regulators are going to get a little upset with you, right? So ha having a system that's really going to be able to help differentiate, is this a real, is this potentially a fraud case? Is this, you know, what is this? And what we're trying to do is we're trying to have an application that is smart for the human. Um, I'll give you an example. We have a, a feature we call intelligent intake. Intelligent intake allows a call center rep with no training other than whatever they would have got to, to answer the phone for a call center to appropriately ask a series of questions that dynamically build the, the questions behind them so they can get the right information, they can actually open the case, and that case then goes into queue where a, a more experienced case processor can pick it up. That reduces costs. That, that's money that the bank can then deploy somewhere else, you know, hopefully bringing more service uh, to the customer. So let's pick up a little more on on the regulatory implications of of this business because uh, it is interesting. Our business, like many in fintech, bank as a service, embedded payments, whatever you you know, we used to call prepaid or stored value. Uh, there is only one entity that's holding most of the bag on the regulation, and that's and that's the bank issuer. You you said at the very beginning of the conversation that you know that this the the last part of your career you've been able to see things from the bank's perspective what is the bank persona in your opinion yeah so actually within our application we we understand that the, there is only one bank license at risk ever that's there's a lot of different companies you know assisting with these programs but there's only ever one bank license at risk and the reality is that terms and conditions that goes along with that card that is a contract between the bank and the consumer that's just the fact that the other companies are very very important but that's the underlying fact that's how the regulators see it that's how the banks see it what we did was we said, look, <clears throat> the banks not only have to have control of these very sensitive processes, they have to have demonstrable control. They are going to go through exams. They are going to be asked to prove that they did things properly. So we saw that right at the onset. And we said, okay, this is what we're going to do. We're going to build a bank persona within the application. So we have an administrator. We have a, you know, the different roles that you would expect to have in, in a, a software system. But we also built a bank persona. And the way that takes shape is any document, for instance, that comes in, is tagged with that bank's uh, ID. 
the bank can then log in and see any document across their entire enterprise. They could be six processors involved and 12 program managers. They can come in, they can see any document they want, they can self-serve and extract those documents. <clears throat> they can see any dispute case that's related to their bins. No matter where it's being done, they can see dashboards of how things are progressing. Is anything falling behind? Uh, if need be, they can call up their whoever the servicer is then and say, hey, look, I'm, I'm looking at the dashboard. I know you're getting kind of close on some of these 45-day things. So, and, and whenever we do development, and by the way, we release every seven weeks, so we get a lot of development done in a year, but we're always asking ourselves not only what is the use case here that has to be accomplished by the business, but what is the bank going to be asked about later on, and are we covering those tracks as well? So I know if I have to reach out to either either of you, uh, a text message or a phone call, uh, if somebody doesn't know you yet and wants to learn more about APS, what is the easiest way to, to connect? Uh, what's ever easiest? Uh, we, our website, advantagepaymentservices.com, or you can call 1-800-568-4478, it's our 800 number. Fantastic. We'll put, the, we'll put the link, of course, in the show bio. We're also going to put... Uh, a video of Grant missing the first three pheasants today as well. So uh, we're going to make sure that gets in there as well. They were really fast. <laughs> <laughs> they were fast, yeah. Uh, guys, thanks a, thanks a lot for joining us. Um, your partnership with Central Payments is important, and, and I had a blast uh, hunting pheasants with you this morning. Yes, thank you. Thank thanks you. for having us. Partnership means a lot to us. Indeed. Wonderful. Indeed. There you have it. We hope you enjoyed this episode of FinTech Brews and News. Keep up with all the content and cool stuff happening at Falls Fintech and Central Payments by checking out our website, our YouTube channel, LinkedIn, and Twitter. Subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss out on our next episode. I'm Nikki Rohde. And I'm Trent Sorby. See you next time. Cheers. Cheers.